You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into Locked On Wolves. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side Network. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. Today on the show, more Ben Simmons news. Um, and it's really more of an update than anything else. Uh, ESPN's talking about uh, uh, where where the saga stands, what we know, what happens next. So I want to get into that. And then also some odds that our friends at betonline.ag uh, put out. I actually just on on Thursday regarding where Ben Simmons will start next season. So I want to cover all that here in the first segment. And then I want to get into um, into play or excuse me, uh, potential starting lineups for the Timberwolves this year. Um, and, and it's something I talked about on Josh Lloyd's fantasy locked on fantasy basketball podcast on Monday this week my projected Timberwolves starting lineup, but there's also a couple of alternative versions that I think, um, or I should say alternate versions that I should, that, that I'd like to discuss. Um, what could the starting lineup look like? What are some twists on maybe the obvious starting five that Chris Finch could trot out? How could it look differently this season? So that'll be today's show. Um, and then we'll of course be back next week as we inch ever closer to the start of training camp. A reminder here off the top of the show, uh, that you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Of course, that includes Apple as well as Spotify, Google, um, Google Podcasts, as well as the all new Odyssey app. And of course, now on YouTube as well. This is week two of YouTube. I think this is episode six that will be on YouTube. So if you're not already watching on YouTube, you can do that. If you prefer not to see my face when you listen to the podcast, you can listen anywhere you get podcasts for free. Um, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get into the Simmons stuff. Oh, I should mention actually off the top. Um, You'll remember last fall, the Timberwolves went to the, well, actually, no, I guess it wouldn't have been last fall because that was the the in between, I don't know, we're still in the pandemic, the leading out of the 1920 pandemic shortened season into the 2021 pandemic shortened season. But fall of 2019, of course, there was the Bahamas. The Gerson Rosas era started with the Timberwolves taking a trip to the Bahamas in September, October that year. And I guess it was September. Now the team's in Miami. Uh, of course, Alex Rodriguez, new minority owner of the team, along with Mark Laurie, um, Rodriguez has a home in, in Miami, of course, and he had the team, the staff, uh, the Timberwolves, uh, the actual Timberwolves tween, team Twitter account was all over it, still is all over it. And there's plenty of pictures and videos of workouts, on-court workouts, you know, beach workouts in the gym, et cetera. And then there's also some content from, um, you know, basically group photos of the entire group down there. And it, it really looks like basically everyone's there. Of course, there was some speculation reading too much into the first few photos, who was there, who wasn't, but now we see in the full photo, basically everyone was there um, or still is there, I guess, in Miami. So that's that's a kind of a fun thing to keep tabs on. I don't know that there's anything really like scandalous at this point that we can surmise from those photos uh, from the social media posts at this point. But um, that's just a, a fun note off the top. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you saw it all. But um, as of this recording, they're all still done in Miami. We'll see if anything comes out of that um, in terms of you know additional rumors. If we find out somebody wasn't there for whatever reason, at this point it just looks like a fun, a fun trip, a good pre pre training camp thing. They'll all, I'm sure take a couple weeks off, uh, maybe go back and see family, take a take a final vacation before training camp starts here in just a couple of weeks. Um, okay, so the Simmons stuff. 
ESPN has an article, um, and this was, uh, it's not an insider article, so it's over at ESPN.com. This was put out on Thursday from Tim Bontemps and Bobby Marks. Of course, Bontemps, a longtime reporter on the East Coast, Bobby Marks, the former uh, front office, uh, I guess, the lead front office guy in, in New Jersey slash Brooklyn for quite some time. And together, obviously, both both fantastic reporters, um, Bontemps on the media side, Marks on more of the basketball side. So there's an article over at ESPN.com called Everything We Know and Don't Know About Ben Simmons, the Philadelphia 76ers and their trade impasse. Um, there actually isn't that that much new in here. Basically, they talk about you know how we got here, the disagreement between between Simmons and Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers essentially kind of sort of throwing, not kind of sort of, he did throw Ben Simmons under the bus when asked if Simmons could be the point guard on a championship team after the game seven loss. And he said, I don't know the answer to that. Um it talks about how something I've said on this show that Daryl Morey hasn't pulled the trigger on a trade because we know what Daryl Morey does, right? He's a star hunter. How many stars did he cycle through in Houston trying to find the right combination? And how many times was he close? Uh, was the you know a close but no cigar situation with the Houston Rockets? Daryl Morey wants a he wants a Damian Lillard. He wants a Bradley Beal. He wants a you know star caliber player. And you know I know there's fans saying, "What about D'Angelo Russell?" D'Angelo Russell, and again I've said this before. He, yes, you could argue he's a star, but he is not a star caliber superstar type player. Uh, despite the fact he's paid like one, he is overpaid for what he's able to provide. And I don't want to turn this into a, a tangent on D'Angelo Russell. And I really like D'Angelo Russell. I think he's a ton of fun to watch. Daryl Morey doesn't want D'Lo on a max contract. If he was paid, you know, half his salary, sure. Uh, I'm sure that would be more attractive. But Philadelphia was the number one seed in the East last year. They're trying to win right now. They're not trading Ben Simmons for three first-round picks and D'Angelo Russell. It's it's not happening. I don't think they're trading him for three first-round picks, D'Angelo Russell and Jane McDaniels either. I, I don't think that that's enough um, or that Philadelphia is going to think that's enough unless they really get backed into a corner. Um, and so this article talks about that. It also set, mentions that Maury is, um, doesn't mind the awkward situations and, and he's not just going to make a deal for the sake of making one. We know that about him as well. Uh, there's also the question of will Ben Simmons really consider not reporting to training camp at this stage? It appears as though the answer is yes. Um, and that's at least what Simmons and his representation told the, uh, not the Clippers, the, the, uh, the Sixers. Doc Rivers told the Sixers front office and Doc Rivers and others a couple of weeks ago and the Sixers ownership when they met on the West Coast. Um, and there's some comparisons to Jimmy Butler in here. I've addressed this before. Yeah, there are some similarities. I think the main difference is Butler was headed into his final year on his contract. Simmons has multiple years left. He's also not yet in the prime of his career. Butler was squarely in the prime of his it's not quite apples to apples, but the idea of showing up to training camp and making a stink and and you know not not playing nice is certainly one that Timberwolves fans are familiar with when it comes to what Jimmy Butler did here a few years ago. Um, basically, oh, I thought the most interesting thing was kind of the closeout here was the relationship between Simmons and Joel Embiid. Embiid, remember, tweeted some cryptic stuff a, a week or two ago, a couple weeks ago now, I guess. Uh, and then there were some stories, I think ESPN ran a story about the status of the relationship between Embiid and Simmons. Certainly seems as though, as though there's been no love lost at times throughout their tenure together in Philly. And we're you know going on almost five years now that they played together, and uh, or I guess a little over four years. And Embiid said last week, he tweeted, um, he tweeted, I love playing with Ben. Stats don't lie. He's an amazing player. We all didn't get the job done. It's on me personally. I hope everyone's back because we know we're good enough to win. And this was also around the time the Sixers wanted to smooth things over with Simmons when they went and met with him on the West Coast. But apparently, according to this article and, and other reports out there, Simmons and his representation and, and Clutch Sports just wanted to to be done with it, right? I mean, they, they don't want to be in Philadelphia anymore. 
we've even heard that uh, that Clutch has said that they want, um, you know, Tyrese Maxey, Rich Paul and Clutch have said they want Tyrese Maxey traded as well. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. I, my, the bet here is still that it happens sometime during training camp, maybe the very start of the season, similar timing, if not a bit earlier than the Butler situation back in 18 in Minnesota. Um, but I don't, I'm still not confident the Timberwolves are where he ends up. I think that Maury's going to have a few more options as this thing continues. And it would be foolish to just kind of assume that the Timberwolves are going to be, you know, I don't think anyone's assuming they're shoe-ins at this point. But I think it'd be foolish to kind of think that this is just a matter of time. Um, speaking of which, I want to get to the odds. So I'm going to hit that next before we get into some lineup conversation. Uh, the new odds from betonline.ag regarding uh, where the next uh, place that Ben Simmons will open the year uh, playing is. Before we get to that, though, uh, let's talk about our great friends at, believe it or not, betonline.ag. We'll get to their odds in a second, but let's talk about BetOnline first. We're back to that time of year. All eyes are now turning to football. Uh, maybe Thursday night you watch Cowboys Bucks. Fantastic game on Thursday night. Um, teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's two hundred thousand dollar. Uh, excuse me, the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football to basketball, boxing, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online's your online sportsbook experts. Again, Bet Online, um, you can use the promo code LOCKED ON um, to get a 50%. Uh, welcome bonus over at betonline.ag. Uh, let's also talk about DirecTV, also uh, new friends here of of the program. Does this sound familiar? You've got a device that lets you catch the game live. And this is a, a common football season thing, at least for me. You've got a device that lets you watch the game live. You've got another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And of course you have your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff. Of course I don't do that, but uh, that's I'm sure a situation that many people are in. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is that there's no annual contract at all. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. Oh, also, uh, it's Friday. I forgot to mention this off the top of the show. Friday is on Lockdown NBA. You can listen, and uh, Nick Angstead of Lockdown Mavericks and Adam Morris of Lockdown Nuggets power rank the week that was in the NBA. Make sure that you follow the Lockdown NBA podcast today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about Ben Simmons' odds. I mentioned these, uh, I think last week at some point, there was another outlet that had them, but now our our friends at betonline.ag have odds out for Ben Simmons' next team. Um, the favorite, believe it or not, this is actually a little bit surprising. Some of the other odds we'd seen had Sacramento first, the Wolves second. I think Portland and Golden State were kind of neck and neck for third. These odds, according to betonline.ag, a little surprising to me. The Portland Trailblazers are the favored team to land Ben Simmons at two to one right now. The Timberwolves are three to one, so the clear number two team. The Kings are at five to one. The Warriors are all the way down to seven to one odds to land Ben Simmons. I'll hit the rest of the list here quick. 
The Spurs are eight to one for Ben Simmons' next team. The Raptors ten to one. Oklahoma City Thunder twelve to one. Cleveland is thirteen to one. The Clippers fourteen to one. The Lakers, because of course, twenty-two to one. The Shanghai Sharks in China thirty-three to one for uh, to to be Ben Simmons' next team. Um, these odds again are a little surprising. Actually, I'm I'm surprised the Wolves aren't number one on this list because remember, there's no indication that Portland's actually going to trade Damian Lillard. We know that he was, uh, you know. Uh, not content at the start of the offseason. The coaching hire situation wasn't handled well from from Dame's side or from the team's side. And the Chauncey Billups press conference was uh, being introduced as the head coach was uncomfortable, I think is maybe the nicest way to say it. Uh, So it's gone down weird in Portland, but at this stage, Damian Lillard has said he's committed to the city. He wants to win a title in Portland. And, uh, you know, Wolves fans should understand that sentiment. Certainly, um, you know, uh, you know, smaller market, a guy who spent his whole career there, a superstar, one of the league's best, you know, probably eight players. Um, very similar to the Garnett stuff. Uh, Portland's had some more sustained playoff success than the Wolves did with Garnett. But Portland struggled to build around Dame the same way the Wolves struggled to build around Garnett. Of course, it should have been easier to build around KG, but that's that's for another day. Um so the Blazers at two to one surprises me a little. Now, of course, if Portland wakes up and says, "Ah, let's trade Lillard and 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 just you know, let's let's get ahead of this," or if there's some rumbling behind the scenes and and they are willing to talk, Daryl Morey gets that done in a second, um, right? He's on top of it. He he's going to make this trade and, and land Damian Lillard to make this thing happen. Um, I've said all along here on the show, if the Wolves could somehow get involved as a third team in this deal, and this is a lot to ask, certainly, I know there's, there's an argument to be made that it could be way less complicated than this. I tend to think if the Wolves get Ben Simmons, it will be complicated. It could be a Dame to Philadelphia, Simmons to Minnesota, some combination of, you know, not all of these things, but Russell Beasley picks Jade McDaniels to Portland, maybe another piece back to Philly, uh, something like that. And maybe the Wolves get like a, uh, you know, they, maybe they get another piece, uh, a thigh bowl or somebody from Philly um, to Minnesota as part of the deal. Not sure uh, what that could look like, but I would think it's a possibility. And that's why Portland is is the favorite team right now to land him. The Wolves at three to one makes sense to me. Um, the Kings at five to one. This is this is partly because Simmons has he's not on the record, but the report's been out there for a while that. Simmons wants to be on the West Coast, ideally in California. So the Kings are on the list for that reason. They've also got Buddy Heald. They've got Tyrese Halbert, who they say they're not trading. Um, they've got uh, um, Bagley as well uh, as, that, that could be traded. They claim they're not going to trade Bagley. They claim they're not going to trade Halliburton, Deer and Fox, right? Um, so there's, there's, excuse me, they said they're not going to trade Fox or Halliburton, but Bagley could should still be available as well as, of course, Buddy Heald, who I'm sure Philadelphia doesn't have a ton of interest in uh, given his contract. But the Kings at five to one, I think it's unlikely that they figure that out because some of the Kings pieces aren't that attractive. And also, I don't think, uh, you know, they won't be that attractive to the Sixers. And if the Kings aren't going to trade Hal Burton or Darren Fox, like Philadelphia is not going to waste their time, really. Golden State, of course, the conversation was that Maury had allegedly asked for this came out uh, the week of the draft, maybe even the day of the draft, you know, several weeks ago now, but that they'd asked for James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, and a host of picks like four picks and three pick swaps, something crazy. So that's why they're still on the list and also California. I think once you get to the Spurs at eight to one on, Toronto is a dark horse. Um, there's somebody that was mentioned, I think it was Sham Shrani at The Athletic a week or so ago, said that Toronto and Minnesota were the two teams that are most persistent. I don't know what Toronto is going to give up. I think it has to be a multi-team deal there as well. Uh, so the odds aren't aren't crazy. You know, I, I, I get where they, you know, I get why they are what they are. So, um, you know, 
Bet on my odds as all as always are fantastic. So head on over there if you if you want to bet on Ben Simmons next team, and if you want to get the Wolves at three to one, I don't think that's an awful bet. Uh, but at this point, I mean, you could wake up tomorrow and anything could happen with this, and it, it really wouldn't be a shock, uh, quite frankly. Okay, shifting gears. I want to talk about Timberwolves lineups. I want to spend the rest of the show talking about what the starting lineup could look like, what I think it will look like, and a couple of twists on that. So I was on Josh Lloyd's Lockdown Fantasy Show on Monday. We did a Timberwolves team preview. He basically just asked me my projected lineup, my projected bench, and then a few additional questions about the team. Um, So if you haven't uh, listened or watched that, his YouTube channel is awesome. Go subscribe wherever, again, free, wherever you listen. Um, and then also on YouTube, Josh Lloyd does an awesome job with everything locked on fantasy. Um, so the lineup I gave him, uh, so I guess this part will be a little bit redundant if you did watch that. If not, I'm going to, or either way, I'm going to hit a couple of alternatives here. Uh, the lineup I gave him was D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley in the backcourt, Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, and Carl Anthony Towns. That's the obvious, you know, quick reaction. Almost any Timberwolves fan would give you those five to be the starters. The only real issue with that is that you have the Timberwolves five best offensive players in that group and, or excuse me, four best offensive players and arguably their best five players, depending on your thoughts on Patrick Beverly and, um, and Josh Akogi, you know, five best all around players would all be in the starting lineup. Not usually how teams, and on the one hand, that makes sense. On the other hand, what does your bench unit look like? Uh, my counterpoint to that would be Anthony Edwards is going to play a ton of minutes this year, and I bet he's going to see a lot of minutes with a lot of bench guys. Um, and you could say the same thing, well, I guess really about any of the stars on the team, but I think Edwards is is the one who's going to lead the team in minutes, and, and he'll be initiating with the second unit quite a bit. My what I said to Josh the other day was D'Lo, Edwards, and Towns are all shoe ins to be starters. We know that they're gonna they're gonna be starters on opening night. Beasley and McDaniel's are the two that we're not sure about. I tend to think it's more likely that Beasley's a starter than McDaniel's. If I had to pick one who's not in the lineup, it would be McDaniel's. Josh felt differently. My argument for why I think Beasley's in the lineup is is more a function of what the Wolves could do at the four, right? I mean, they could do any number of things. Um, Jade McDaniels could start at the four. Torian Prince could start at the four. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who's still a restricted free agent, could start, could be signed and then start at the four. The Timberwolves could, um, I don't, they're not going to start Nasrid at the four, but theoretically that's a possibility. There's a number of different things that could happen there. And Josh's point was Beasley is such a good scorer and you've already got D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns in the starting lineup. Why do you need another high usage guy who's a 18 to 20 point per game score in the starting lineup when you don't have much firepower or shooting for that matter coming off your bench, or at least guys that are going to go and get a bucket, put Beasley on the bench, make him your sixth man, your super sub type guy, and he can play in closing lineups if, if you need him to. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute, but I, I just don't think that's, that's likely. Um, and part of the reason that I gave Josh is that the way that Beasley gets his points is, is he's not, he's a high usage player and that he'll get his shots up but he's not a ball control guy, right? He's not initiating offense very often. He can operate in the pick and roll, but one of his shortcomings is he doesn't operate that well offensively off the bounce. He's a decent passer. He's a terror in transition, but that's how he scores, right? It's transition and it's catch and shoot occasionally as a cutter. That's how he gets his buckets. He's not D'Angelo Russell. He's not operating the pick and roll every time down the court. He's not Anthony Edwards. He's not uh, playing in isolation very often. Um, And he's not, he's not, really Anthony Edwards in any other way. And he's not Carl Anthony Towns, who the offense will flow through, whether that's in the low post, the high post, on the perimeter, whatever. Beasley's getting his buckets in transition and in catch and shoot situations. And he's phenomenal at it. He's going to shoot eight, nine, 
who knows, 10, 10 plus threes per game, whatever it's going to be, and get out in transition and get a couple easy buckets and not a couple dunks and layups, get fouled, make his free throws. That's how Beasley's going to score 17 or 18 points a game this year. And I think with everybody healthy, it's probably more 17 points than it is, you know, the 20 he scored over his first 50 plus games in Minnesota over the past two seasons. Uh, but that's my reasoning for why Beasley's still in the starting lineup, because why would you not play your best guys the most minutes? You can stagger them with the reserves if you want to. And Beasley's not a super ball dominant guy, um, as if that makes any sense, right? A high usage guy who's not very ball dominant because he when the ball touches Beasley's hands, it's going up. Right. He's uh, but he's not controlling of the ball within the offense. And it's very easy for him to get easy for him to get hot, whether that's through transition or, or catch and shoot situations in the half court offense. Um, I think it makes a ton of sense to leave him in the starting lineup. And then off the bench, um, I clearly thought more of Jalen Noel than Josh Lloyd uh, does. And and that's fine. But I think Timberwolves fans know that Noel could be that that prototype six man type guy. And depending on how the rest of the offseason shakes out, who all comes back later, Balmaro officially signing, Jared Vanderbilt, Jared McLaughlin, et cetera. We'll see how many minutes Noel gets, but he could play that six man type scoring role um, coming off the bench. So that's my most likely starting lineup. And, and I do think Beasley starts. And I think it's very likely McDaniels is the starting four as well. But there's two other lineup combinations I want to cover that I really like. Um, so I want to get into that here next. And that'll be uh, how we close out the show is, is those lineup combinations. First, though, let's talk about our friends at rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why do often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com, both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same parts from a chain store or car dealership? rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years and their prices are reliably low. For every single customer, they have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, to even new carpet. Go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to the rockauto.com website right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Uh, let's talk about Built Bar as well. Built Bar is amazing. If you are a protein bar person and haven't had a Built Bar, I'm sorry, you're making a mistake. Now's your chance to redeem yourself. Built Bars are fantastic. They're delicious. I, ha- delicious. I have at least one every single day. I actually tried carrot cake with almonds the other day. Uh, one of the guys at, at uh, my office had one and I'd never tried that flavor um, because of course everybody's on the Built Bar train now. I tried it. It's phenomenal. Uh, currently, mint brownie, cookies and cream, they've been uh, not currently. They've been my favorites. Anything with coconut is is phenomenal as well. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine staple flavors of Built Bars. And again, not only do they taste great, they're also healthy. They're protein bars, right? Check out the macros in Built Bars. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from only 130 per bar to 180 per bar, just four to five grams of sugar and four or five grams net carbs. All the flavors taste amazing and they're all healthy. Plus, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15. I did it literally today. I placed another order of Built Bars. Uh, built.com, promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Again, built.com, LOCKED15 will get you 15% off your next order. All right, uh, let's finish talking lineups. I have uh, two twists on the first lineup that I posed. The first the first twist, so I guess the second lineup I want to look at 
is uh, a version of the lineup without Malik Beasley, which again, I think is unlikely, but theoretically possible. If the Wolves look at this and say, so I didn't say this last segment, the, the, uh, down, the drawback to those to that five, right? The the Russell Beasley, Edwards, McDaniels, Towns lineup, beyond the fact that your four best scorers and probably your five best players are all in the starting lineup, is that there's only one guy who's not a negative defender, right? Uh, Russell, Edwards, Towns, Beasley are all minus defenders. You could argue Towns is more average than he is minus, but there's no argument with Russell Beasley, Edwards. They're all bad defenders. And Edwards could become a good defender. Russell could be okay if he tried a little bit harder defensively because he's big and he understands spacing angles. He's got good hands, et cetera. Uh, But Russell, Beasley, Edwards are all bad defenders. Towns is at best going to be an average-ish defender, right? Um, So the argument, and McDaniels would be your only plus defender. He's switchable. He can guard threes and fours. He can switch onto some fives and twos in a pinch, can do, you know, hold his own against some ones on a switch. But do you need another plus defender in the starting lineup? If you feel like you do and you want some more bench firepower, it's easy. You put Josh Okogie in the starting lineup in place of Malik Beasley. Beasley comes off the bench. He's your super sub. He can score 18 a game from there. Okogie McDaniels become your defenders in the starting lineup. Okogie will be your primary point of attack defender for the opposing team's best lead guard for whoever it is in the perimeter that's going to get the ball most often. And then McDaniels is your other kind of ace defender, right? He's guarding the bigs on switches. He's getting chased on blocks. He's helping on the weak side. Towns becomes kind of a free safety of sorts down low, guards the opposing five. Um, that's a pretty good defensive lineup. Um, Beasley off the bench, I think, makes some sense. You could alternate him and him and uh, Patrick Beverly initiating offense because remember, Beverly's probably better as a catch and shoot guy than he is as somebody running pick and roll every time on the floor, right? Um, I think that's how he's most effectively used, which is about fit the tribute. Be an argument for this sort of an arrangement. I did look. I looked up these numbers. I wrote a piece at DougieWithWolves.com. The three-man combination of Russell Beasley and Edwards from the first lineup last year, they only played 178 minutes together, of course, due to Russell's injury, Beasley's suspension and injury, and Edwards wasn't a starter at the beginning of the year. But Russell Beasley and Edwards together had a three-man lineup combination, defensive rating of 114.4. Their net rating was a minus 5.8. And again, just 178 minutes. A slightly larger sample, Russell, Okogie, and Edwards, which is the proposed second lineup here, those three together played 229 minutes. So that's what, uh, 51 more minutes, if I did that quick math correctly. They had an even net rating of 0.0 in 229 minutes, which is, I don't know, it's good, right? It's certainly better than minus 5.8. Uh, it's not good, but it's, 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 it's very, it's, it's very zero, right? And if that's, if that's a, if that makes any sense at all, um, but Russell, Okogie, and Edwards showed promise together because, again, Russell's a good enough shooter. Edwards is a well-rounded enough offensive player who should become a better shooter. And Okogie's actually a pretty good cutter and a pretty good roller. Um, we saw this at the end of last season. Chris Finch used Josh Okogie like a power forward offensively at the elbow and horn sets uh, in the dunker spot um, and other situations because Okogie could set a screen at the elbow and dive to the basket and be fairly effective. Um, he, he's not bad in that situation. And in the dunker spot, he's athletic enough to, to be effective there. He basically was just hidden on the offensive end of the floor, but he's good enough defensively. He more than holds his own on that end of the floor. So there's an argument for this lineup with Beasley coming off the bench. You know, you got Beverly Beasley, um, and then some combination of probably Jared Vanderbilt, Leonard Balmaro, somebody like that, Nas Reed, um, coming off the bench as well. Um, and that, that I think is the, 
maybe the least likely of the three I want to talk about right now. I think it's pretty clear a Kogi is going to come off the bench and Beasley will start in my mind. But this is one option. The final option I want to talk about is a little bit, it's weird in that it involves a player who's not actually on the roster right now, but it's Daniel Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, and Carl Anthony Towns. I actually think this is a more likely starting lineup than the one with the Kogi. Um, and I know it's weird because McDaniels isn't in the starting lineup, but the theory here is that the Wolves want to try and grow McDaniels game a little bit more. They want to add some length to the bench unit. They want to add some offensive ability to the bench unit because Vanderbilt is not a good offensive player. Uh, he, he just isn't, but he's so good on the glass and he's such an energy guy and he's a, he's a plus ish, you know, slightly above average defender, all things considered. So you keep that defensive edge in the starting lineup, but McDaniels with the second unit could actually run things, right? He could do more of what the Wolves asked him to do in Las Vegas Summer League, which is get the ball in his hands, initiate pick and roll, score in isolation, instead of just kind of standing in the corner and being the fifth option. Because in in, in lineup number one, Russell Beasley, Edwards, McDaniels, Towns, McDaniels is the fifth option. Five out of five, every single time, right? He's spot-up shooter guy like he was all last year. Maybe once a game, he'll pump fake and drive and, into a tough mid-range shot or get all the way to the rim, hopefully. The Wolves want him to be more aggressive, and, and a way to do that is to put him with the bench unit and tell him to go be creative, be aggressive, initiate offense, find your own shot, et cetera. Um, the biggest downside here is, again, defense in the starting lineup. Vanderbilt's not as good of an all-round defender as McDaniels. McDaniels is quicker laterally, he can guard threes. Vanderbilt can't really guard threes. And he's not big enough to guard true fives either. Not that he would be asked to because of Towns, but Vanderbilt is, is a little bit more limited defensively, right? He can guard fours, some threes, some fives, whereas McDaniels can guard fours and threes and some twos. If Vanderbilt was put on skates pretty frequently, eh, frequently is maybe strong, but certainly when he was on the perimeter, when he got switched onto the perimeter last year, Vando put on, was put on skates uh, with some regularity. Um, and, and while he's tenacious, a fantastic rebounder, much better rebounder than at this stage than Jaden McDaniel, certainly, um, you lose that defensive edge or not edge. That's not the right word. Cause Vanderbilt plays with an edge. You lose, you lose, uh, you just don't have a, a clear plus defender in your starting lineup, but that's dangerous. Um, your bench unit then has the firepower of McDaniels over Vanderbilt. You've obviously still got then, you know, Josh Okogie. So you've got a couple of more defensive minded guys with that second unit, Patrick Beverly and Jalen Noel are going to have to do more. Nas Reed's going to have to do more. If you, um, if, if that's the, the second unit you run with, um, but the thought here is the Wolves would go with rebounding energy, et cetera, to kick off the game. You let McDaniels grow with the second unit, and then your closing lineup probably has McDaniels in it anyway. You can't really have Vanderbilt, or for that matter, a Kogi, on the court down the stretch of a close game because of their complete lack of offense. You could get away with it with a Kogi, and I think the Wolves, of course, as all teams do, will do some offense, defense, subs down the stretch, but your, your core crunch time lineup is going to include McDaniels anyway, not Jared Vanderbilt, or you're going to play small and you're going to have Russell Beasley Edwards, um, you know, maybe you slide Edwards to the four and you get somebody else on the court to, to, uh, you know, to, 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 to play small in that situation. Um, but I don't think just because Vanderbilt starts doesn't mean he's a crunch time guy. I don't think that would ever really be the case uh, with this team. So um, that's my third, my third lineup option. The the alternative there um, to the to the starting lineup that I think is still most likely, frankly, Russell Beasley, Edwards, McDaniel's, and Towns. I think is still the most likely uh, place that this thing goes. So um, I, I I think. Certainly, whether or not Vanderbilt comes back, whether or not Jordan McLaughlin comes back, and then also assuming Lander Bomaro actually officially signs, 
it'll be interesting to see what this lineup looks like both on opening night and as the season gets going. Um, so that'll be something we'll continue to watch. Obviously, once we get into training camp and preseason, we'll get some indication as to as to which way the Wolves are headed with this. All right. Uh, that's all we have on the show. We'll be back, of course, on Monday. Again, three shows next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, otherwise, have a fantastic weekend. If you're not already following or subscribed to this podcast, please do. It's free and everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Of course, that includes Apple as well as Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, and uh, also the all-new Odyssey app. And of course, YouTube is well known too. Again, this is episode number six on YouTube. Be sure to follow uh, and subscribe there on YouTube. Um, you can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves, and my account is at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. A reminder that Locked On Wolves is, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And also a reminder that Fridays on Locked On NBA, you can listen to Nick Angstead of our Locked On Mavericks pod and Adam Morris of Locked On Nuggets. They power rank the week that was in the NBA. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all we have for you today. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.